If you want to know what is really happening in the world today, you need to read the Pasha HaShavua, the weekly Torah reading. Join Rabbi Mendel Lipska for the next hour as he delves and enumerates the themes running through the weekly Torah Pasha, only on 101.9 High FM. And a very good Erev Shabbos to all of you. And what an Erev Shabbos it is, a very special one. All sorts of things are happening The Shabbos. Coming with the Parsha, the Parsha, of course, is Mishpatim. We'll talk about that in a little while. But it's also Parshat Shekalim, when we read the portion that deals with the half shekel that every single Jew, every male Jew, had to contribute in order to create not only the senses, but other public areas of responsibility. And also it's uh, Shabbos Mavorchim Adar. We're going to bless the new month of Adar. And blessing the new month of Adar is very exciting because, of course, Adar brings to mind immediately the festival of Purim. And also, as our sages tell us, Mishenichnes Adar Marben Besimcha, when the month of Adar enters, we increase with intensity, our levels of joy. And all these three things come together, and obviously, if they do, there has to be some relationship between the Parsha, between the fact that we take out a second Torah and read Parshat Shkalim, and also the fact that we bless the new month of Adar. All these three things must relate to each other, and perhaps later in the show we'll talk about what possible connection could there be between these three dimensions. As mentioned earlier on, the Parsha is Mishpatim. Mishpatim follows on from the story that we read last week. Last week we read in Vayera, the story of Revelation, how God came down to Sinai and gave the Jewish people the Torah. And one might think, mistakenly so, that in actual fact, everything about Yiddishkeit is with huge fanfare. The mountain billow, the sounds, all of creation was responding to this incredible, miraculous moment. Mishpatim talks to us about laws that deal with everyday issues, with the idea of a relationship between employer and employee. We talk about the laws of damages. We talk about all sorts of practical laws as well, because this is the scope of Judaism. The scope of Judaism is not to remain in some distant spiritual ecstatic state, but to bring it down to a practicality. Every single aspect of life has to be handled correctly, and correctly, of course, means according to the will of God. God defines what, in fact, is right and wrong, how we relate to each other, how we express social responsibility, communal responsibility, how we understand what in fact happens when something that belongs to us or an extension of us causes damage to someone else. These are the laws that govern our life. These are the laws that dictated by Torah, dictated by God, tell us how to live on a daily basis. And it's important to understand that those ecstatic moments are real and necessary. And from time to time, we participate in time to time we rejoice we are uplifted by the miracle of excitement by the miracle as we experienced at revelation at sinai but at the same time the absolute necessity of taking that joyous moment of taking that spiritual awareness taking that incredible expression of faith and bringing it down into a practicality to do something about it, to behave correctly, even what others might consider the most mundane areas of life. 
because in actual fact there's no such thing as a mundane area of life. Life is precious. Every moment, every moment is dear. Every moment has purpose, has a mission. And therefore what we do within that moment, what might appear to be the most ordinary type of act, in actual fact contains within it incredible levels of purpose. And this is something that we have to understand. We think to ourselves that by and large there are moments of excitement in life, but otherwise huge areas, huge journeys of boring everyday experiences. Now, it's quite tragic if we look at life and it becomes boring because every moment is precious. And every moment is precious means that every single act that we do is precious as well. And while it might not appear to be exciting, it might not appear to be something which uplifts us in a spiritual way, you know, how I deal with my employees, how I deal with my employer, how I deal with my bull who's walking down the street and causes damage to somebody else, all these things have purpose. All these things are not merely the ordinary, simple, boring aspects of life. There is no such thing. Yes, in our perception there is. We drive to work, we get bored, we sit in traffic, we think to ourselves, what is going on? We go through life and there are huge, huge pieces of life that seem to be so unnecessary, not overwhelming, not great. It doesn't spiritually uplift, it doesn't even mentally or emotionally uplift from time to time. But this is what the responsibility of life is really all about, to examine each and every single moment and try to infuse every single moment, every single act with meaning, with purpose, with excitement, with something something which connects us not only with each other properly, but with ourselves and ultimately with God as well. This is what Mishpatim comes to teach us. Mishpatim is not ordinary. Mishpatim is not mundane. And the word that so many people use, the minutiae of Judaism, seems to suggest that there are all sorts of, well, unimportant aspects of life that we just have to get through. That's not what it's all about. Yes, in fact, unfortunately, this is how many people view life, that we have to get through the boring, ordinary, really unnecessary things, but somehow they have to be done. I have to get from A to B, and therefore the journey might not be exciting, it might be boring, etc. Mishpatim comes to tell us that... As we experienced the story of Revelation last week, which was full of spiritual excitement, spiritual greatness, so too we somehow have to see that greatness within the laws that we are going to talk about within this Parsha. And this is what it says, Ve'ela, and Rashi points out that Ve'ela, the Vav, tells us that there is a connection between last week and this week. It's not two separate worlds. It's not two separate systems of law. It's one law given by God. How we deal with it indicates how we look at life generally, ourselves, in our relationship with Hashem Himself. More of that soon. This is the Pasha Hashavua with Rabbi Mendel Lipska, only on 101.9 High FM. We're talking about the Parsha of Mishpatim. And Mishpatim, of course, simply means social laws, how to live properly, how to live con- directly in any type of society. But as we go through the parsh, we begin to see it's not only about employer-employee relationship, whether it has to do with the laws of damages, etc., etc., but we have the laws of festivals as well. Three times a year you have to appear in Jerusalem on the annual pilgrimage 
to the Holy Temple. We talk about the idea of accepting God's law with absolute conviction. We talk about coming into the promised land and not accepting their gods, their ideas, their attitudes, their philosophies, their behavior, to remove all that is spiritually negative from the Holy Land in order to make it just that a Holy Land. It's not only a partial that deals with hard, factual daily lives. It is something which deals with the very essence essence of who and what we are, our relationship with God, our relationship with the Holy Land, understanding what in fact can cause this inner assimilation of ideas and attitudes that are foreign to us. It's not only those hard laws that deal with everyday behavior, because as mentioned before, even those laws are not simple mundane laws. They are part of our Jewish connection with God, with Torah, with everything that who we are. And this is why it's so important to understand that Judaism is basically this great and wonderful combination of all these elements, the spiritual, the exciting, the uplifting, and at the very same time, that which we have to do on a daily basis. And while this appears, feels like it's far more exciting, the fact remains that each and every single action that we do connected with the time in which we do it is something which is infinite, something which is great, and something which is important. It's difficult to understand that. It's difficult to perceive how something which appears to be ordinary and feels ordinary should be so uplifting and so spiritually correct. But that is what Torah is telling us, and this is how we have to behave. Now, this is something that we have to understand. Let's take a look at the very first law contained within this Parsha. And the law, of course, is how we deal with a bondman, a person that, well, the courts have allocated that has to work, the limitation of six years, etc., etc. But essentially, you extend that to the whole relationship of employer-employee, someone who has the responsibility of owning or running a business, an employee who works there. And the relationship has to be a correct relationship. The employer has to look after the employee, has to pay him correctly. In other parts of Torah, we come across the laws that you cannot delay the payment. You have to treat your employee with respect. You have to treat your employee with a tremendous sense of recognition, not to make that individual feel small or give him mundane responsibilities. There are tremendous laws about how the employer and the employee have to relate. And the employee, of course, his time is, in a sense, owned by the employer, and therefore he cannot, well, cheat on his time, not do his job correctly, stay it, whatever the case is, all sorts of laws. But when we think about it, what is the essence of that relationship? The essence of the relationship is one who gives gives, one who receives, and one who returns as part of that which he receives. And this is true not only in terms of employer and employee, but in every type of relationship where there is what we call perhaps the elder, the more mature, the one who guides, the one who teaches, the one who in a sense controls to a certain degree. There is that relationship always with the one who gives, the one who receives, and the one who responds as well. Whether it's a parent and a child, whether it's a teacher and a student, whether it is person of authority in a society, whatever the case is, there is always that relationship. 
And it's important to understand, while in fact it might appear that one is in a sense higher than the other, he is the one who provides the job, he is the one raising children, he is the one teaching, or she is the one teaching children, etc., etc. There is the older and the younger, and you can take that metaphorically into every single area of older and younger, but it creates the impression that there is one who might appear to be, in a sense, greater and one who is lesser so because that individual still has to receive. And it's important for us to understand while that distinction is there, it cannot be abused. It cannot be however we think. It cannot be something that we will do in order to even slightly crush the spirit of one who receives. That relationship ultimately has to be understood within the concept of what Torah is telling us. And the sages telling us, tell us something very important and telling in a sense. It says that he who acquires a servant acquires a master. And I mentioned this a number of times. If you only have one pillow at night, it is the servant who must receive that pillow. Their meals, their food, their nourishment comes before our own. This is something that we have to understand, that ultimately there is that distinction because within life, within the limitations of time and space, whatever construction we have, there are differences. But at the same time, we have to recognize that those differences are very superficial. And because they are superficial, there is a sense of equality between the two. And while this is very difficult to achieve... This has been a battle going on throughout the ages. Those who appear to be in power and those who appear to have to respond to those who are in power. There has been that great battle throughout history. The battle of, of, of worker against employer. The battle of against the younger to over the older, etc. Those who under the authority of others. Why? Because at the same time that we recognize the other, we don't really accept the fact that essentially there is a balance of equality between the two. And because it's so difficult to see that, because it takes tremendous strength and humility to apply that to one's life, it takes tremendous strength and wisdom to apply that to one's life. Not everybody is prepared to do that. And because not everybody is prepared to do that, that relationship of the elder and the younger, in all senses of the word, can and usually does become abusive. The worker becomes angry at the employer. A child becomes angry at a parent. A student wants to reject the teaching of the teacher. The citizen wants to reject the authority of the one who has, well, the power. And these battles have been raging throughout history. And what Torah is telling us in Parshish Mishpatim, what appears to be a very simple set of laws between employer and employee, is not just that. It is teaching us how to have the wisdom, how to have the skills, and how to have the insight to recognize the essential quality between the two. Because if both want to contribute what in fact they are blessed with, and both are blessed with a tremendous sense of skills, of attitude, of wisdom, then you have to create this inner sense and inner discipline 
of humility and not allow one's ego to become overwhelming. This is a lifelong job. It's not something which comes automatically. It's not something which comes easily. You take it in any type of relationship. It's the parent who says, do as I tell you. Sooner or later, the child will rebel. Because it's not, do as I tell you. Look at me. Understand how I live my life, how I try to live my life. I will give you whatever you need. Shelter, food, sense of responsibility. As a teacher, teaches, educates, elevates. But it's important for both of them to recognize that this symbiotic relationship needs a lot of work. And while, of course, at a very young age, the child is completely dependent upon the parent. But as the child matures, that independence, that dependence, unless it's handled correctly and not given a degree of independence, will become rebellious in one way or another. Yes, of course, we've seen situations where, well, it just goes on and on and on. But when you consider the essence of that relationship or any type of relationship between one who has a sense of responsibility of giving and the other one has a responsibility of receiving and then responding properly, unless it's handled correctly, there is a tremendous empty space between the two. And there is no longer a real relationship. It's the higher and the lower. And the higher and the lower, while it can exist for certain times, up to a degree, it is the essential bond between the two that makes for a good and healthy relationship. This is how Mishpatim begins. Mishpatim talks to us about understanding oneself understanding each other and trying to create a relationship where both are contributing, where both are defined responsibility, responsibly, but at the same time, both give of themselves to create a bond that is based upon essential equality as well. And while, as I said before, this is difficult to achieve, it's absolutely necessary. If, in fact, we want to have that healthy type of relationship, it must contain those elements. It must contain definition, and at the same time it also has to contain the humility which brings about deeper sense of unity. More of that soon. This is the Pasha HaShavua with Rabbi Mendel Lipska, only on 101.9 High FM. So we're talking about Mishpatim. We're talking about how this is not something different from the experience of Sinai. This is a continuation. While that was filled with spiritual joy, uproaring type of incredible divine presence, spiritual moment, nonetheless, we have to find the excitement in the ordinary as well. And this connects us to what I was talking about the beginning of the show, what makes this Shabbos a very special Shabbos. It's Shkalim. And what is Shkalim all about? Shkalim is how each and every single individual over a certain age had to give the half shekel. Didn't matter who he was. He could be the head of the tribe, a leader, judge, each and every single individual. Whatever your state of responsibility, 
is and was. You have to give only and can give only a half shekel. We've talked about it often, how the absolute equality coexists with differences with individuals who occupy positions of authority or those who don't occupy positions of authority within society. The coexistence of two seeming opposite ideas, difference of status, and at the same time, absolute equality. This is what Torah demands from us. As mentioned earlier on, the very first law that we come across in this week's Parsha is the idea of each individual maintaining his position of responsibility, her position, the employer and the employee, each one having different responsibilities in terms of what they have to fulfill. And while this can, God forbid, become an abusive relationship, there has to be the humility which brings out the essential equality between the two, the idea of the shkalim. And it's interesting how this Shabbos Mishpatim, in fact, is partial shkalim. And then, of course, we bless the new month of Adar. We bless the new month of intense joy. We intensify the joy to a tremendously great degree. Can you imagine what the greatest joy is? Yes, this, that, the other, each and every one of us probably has a different answer. But think about this. Perhaps the greatest joy is when the ordinary becomes special. When the mundane, in fact, becomes spiritually uplifting. When that which often is boring becomes absolutely exciting. When we are able to recognize the incredible element of spirituality that is contained in each and every single thing that we do, each and every single act, each and every single moment. Yes, as I said earlier on, this is a great ask. But at the same time, can you imagine if we work on ourselves and we expose the inner joy, the inner energy, the inner excitement that is contained in each and every single thing, because that's really what it's all about. When we speak about Mishpatim, we're not talking about some, well, ordinary law. Think about it. This creates a healthy society. This creates a healthy community. Expose the incredible energy that is contained within, and you will feel a tremendous sense of purpose in each and every single thing that we do. Step by step, stage by stage. It doesn't come completely at the outset. We have to work at these things. But by studying, by applying, by living a life that is based upon a search for joy, a search for purpose, difficult though it may be sometimes, one's life becomes a life of joy, a life of purpose, a life of greatness. And these three things, the Parsha of Mishpatim, the extra Parsha of Shikalim, and the fact that we are celebrating the month of Adar, these three things come together to create a tremendous sense of purpose and joy in life. And this is something that we all need more and more. Because if we allow life to become drab, we become drab. If we allow time and action to become meaningless, we become meaningless. But if we have the capacity to search for the joy, if we have the capacity to search for that equality, if we have the ability to recognize purpose in everything that we do, life becomes meaningful and purposeful. 
So when you're in shul tomorrow, you'll see it'll take out two Torahs. Right before Musaf, the special prayer blessing the new month. Participate. Listen to the Parsha carefully. Listen to the extra reading carefully. Think about the month of Adar in a personal sort of way. Look for that which is relevant to you. Look for that which makes sense to you. Look for that which gives you meaning and purpose and joy. And life will become just that. Good Shabbos.